Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. Welcome. You are locked on the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angsted, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the editor of Smoking Cuban, along with my puppy sitting on my lap right now. This could go really bad really quick. <laughs> Have you? You won't share the puppy's name on the pod. No, you've shared, you shared it on Twitter. No, I, I've shared it on Twitter. The puppy's name is Laker. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to tell my my fandom, my former fandom. Go for it. I don't mind it. Yeah, I don't mind it one bit. And I'm not. I'm not one of those like irrational Lakers fans that say that you know, blah blah blah. Yeah, I mean, like I don't. Lonzo's the second always, coming of everything. Something that always frustrates me with the. Uh, you know, with like reporting and stuff, you know, I guess when you get bigger, you know, as far as like ESPN and stuff, you know, you can't be like wearing around a shirt or something of a team, but I'm a Mavericks fan. I'm a fan first. I love the Mavericks. I've loved Dirk since growing up playing basketball. Now I just have the luxury and pleasure of covering them and right now as a media and you you hear me, I mean, I'll bash a Maverick if I feel like they need it. I don't care to bash them or say whatever. (laughs) And that Maverick's name is Dwight Powell. No, I would never do that. <laughs> I love Dwight Powell. But, uh, oh, but yeah, no, I don't mind about yeah. that. And the best shows are made up of one guy's a fan and like sort of an irrational fan and will like defend his team forever. And then the other side is a person that you know is sort of unbiased in the sense that is not a fan. So I think that that's, this dynamic makes the show better. For sure. So with, with today's news, not really no news today, but – as far as the past couple of days with like Kyrie and stuff, you know, it's like the hottest topic right now. Yeah. What what's going to happen with Kyrie? Derrick Rose going to Cleveland today. Yeah, you know what? Sure. How to how does we, that play in? We dodged Kyrie a bullet, stuff? guys. Guys, we dodged a bullet. <laughs> a bullet I, we might not have dodged if we didn't get a point guard in the draft. I thought Derrick Rose, was but in I will say, I will say this though. Yeah, but for two for two million, sign me up any day for Derrick Rose at that price. Yeah, I don't mind that for Cleveland at all, especially if Kyrie's no. going because that is that's that's some pretty good value for a guy that just scored eighteen points a game. For any, yeah, I mean, for, you know, for any guy that scored eighteen for, points for, a game for that price, sign me up any day. I don't care how much people want to bash D Rose, but so for like Kyrie, we know his defense sucks. We yeah. know <laughs> he he's one of the top twenty players in the game. We know he's one of the top elite offensive players in the game. You posed a question on Twitter. How many players in the game right now, currently at this moment, are better active player are better offensive players than Kyrie Irving. So what names do you have? Or like, how many do you have to me? I know we're going to differ on one. Yeah. To me, there's only four to me. 
it's Steph and KD, right? Locks. Just nobody can argue that, right? You're going to argue that? No, 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 no. Okay, no, they're okay, locks. Okay. I just know our, I, I have four also, but my I know my fourth one, we're going to differ. You just took a sip of water like it was like none of my business. Like it was like, like you're Kermit <laughs> from the meme. Like, <laughs> no, yes. <laughs> Steph and KD, we, we agree on those, right? Do yeah. we agree on we do we agree on LeBron? No, we do not. Okay, that's the one we differ on, and then Harden. Yes. I have replaced LeBron with Russell Westbrook. Okay, see, Russell Westbrook, I can be convinced. However, it's hard to convince me of a player that okay, Kyrie is a better shooter, a better finisher, and a better ball handler. That's three of the biggest aspects of offense, and you're just talking about who's a better player, you know? Well, you're gonna say you could say that about Kyrie over LeBron, except for you could argue he's definitely a better shooter, and he's a better ball handler for sure. So then you arguing about the finishing, and you naturally want to say LeBron's a better finisher because LeBron. he's like a linebacker. But Kyrie can finish as good as anyone we've ever seen at the point guard spot in the in the paint and everything like that. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm just saying if. Okay, let me ask you this. Game seven, last shot. Who are you more scared about taking? Kyrie or LeBron? Uh, I'd, probably, I'd probably say Kyrie. Exactly. So Which, he's a better I mean, he made player. that shot in the, in the finals. <laughs> Is he a better that's offensive player that's... than LeBron? Gosh, that's tough. I just, I just uh, the, the passing for LeBron and then just the like the transition game for LeBron, I think, puts it over the top for me. Those things, and he's not that worse of a finisher, and he's not that worse of a ball handler. You know, like the shooting, obviously, he's up and down. But. Well, ball no, no, no. I take, I, I disagree with the ball handling. I think Kyrie's the best ball handler in the game. Oh, for and sure. No, like, no, and LeBron's no not there. anywhere close to that. People are LeBron close. Steph is close. LeBron can't handle like that. No, 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 I'm not saying anyone. I'm saying LeBron's nowhere close to his handles. Yeah. Is LeBron the best overall player in the game today? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't care saying that. I'm not like a stupid fan. I just don't care for LeBron on the court. But I'm just saying, as far as like offensive game, LeBron can put up points for sure. It's just like if I'm playing LeBron, I'm daring LeBron to shoot me, to shoot right. against me, you know? To shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> to shoot me. If I'm playing against Kyrie, there's nothing I, I can really dare him to do. I mean, the only thing you can dare good offensive players to do is the one thing that you want him to do is just to shoot, you know, or contested two, <laughs> contestant, two, you know, contested two pointers. I mean, that's just like what you try to get good offensive players to, you know, fall into that trap. But yeah, or get or get the ball out of their hands, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Whereas LeBron, it, he actually makes a lot of people better around him. That's another thing that I think separates LeBron and Kyrie is that he makes everybody else around him better. There's a really good article today by uh, by Zach Lowe where he talked about how many players have benefited from. LeBron, like Booby, like Booby Gibson became a player. Mo Williams became an All Star. Just going through the list of of guys that their career has just been made by LeBron James and his passes. But yeah. but you also got to remember too, like and this is thing, like I think it was Bill Simmons and O'Connor. Is either them or is Wendy and McMahon and them on their so pod. podcast came out today. Ours to where theirs <laughs> to where like they were talking about like. It's kind of hard to judge Kyrie in the playmaking role because he's technically been playing two guard this yeah, whole time. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah and like, yeah, like it's a, it's kind of unfair to say it's unfair for us to say like, oh, he's so much better at playmaking than Kyrie, or like he's so much better in transition than Kyrie and stuff like that. Because 
you know, like Joe House, like Bill Simmons, one of his best friends, like he was talking about, oh, John Wall is so much better than Kyrie. Yeah. You know, the finishing, all this stuff. But like, who says Kyrie can't do that in an open system? At, you know, like put him in Phoenix and say, hey, just run with it. Run the show, bring the ball up to court every single time, play make the whole time, run the fast break. Who says he can't do that? So, <sighs> yeah. And in, in, in the Zach Lowe piece, they, they say that Kyrie has been pointing out that James Harden example of how he left and became his own player and then all of a sudden he just sprouted and and people say that Kyrie has had his own team before but he was like a a first second year player he still averaged like almost 20 points a game but just it's not the same it's completely different those those Cleveland teams are terrible just awful (laughs) and Byron Scott was his coach so oh my gosh is there a couple other names that you would put up in that next group of offensive like I I would put Isaiah Thomas close yeah, yeah, Isaiah Thomas is definitely close up there for me. Uh, Westbrook, you could you could argue for sure, like you like you say. Um, Anthony Davis and Kawhi have been mentioned a lot. Um, Kawhi, it's this whole debate, and this is this could take us a whole podcast. But the debate between do you offensively do you value efficiency and consistency, or do you value overall skill? So you get these, you get these like. And I think it's it's a huge conversation in the NBA that I could just take in so many different directions. But the efficiency and consistency, like, is Dirk to me. Dirk just is efficient and consistent, but he doesn't have the highs and lows like a Kobe Bryant, right? Like Kobe has those eighty the eighty point game. He had that one stretch, remember he was scoring fifty points a game just like every single night. And so he had those highs and lows, but you also you also get the highs and lows. You don't get the consistency and the efficiency as much from Kobe. He's gonna shoot, you know, 33% from three. He's going to shoot 42% from the field some some seasons. But uh, So it's it's whatever you value. And if you value efficiency and consistency more than just straight-up skill, then you take Kawhi over Kyrie. Yeah, it's kind of like, would you rather have Giannis or Devin Booker? You know, off, off, are you yeah. still talking offensively? Yeah, yeah. Like, offensively, yeah. like Giannis is going to give you more of an all-around game. Booker's going to be more of like the Kobe type of, I'm going to launch it every time and He's still going to, you know, I think there's, you know, there's still great offensive players, but just kind of two different type of offensive players. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting question. We could take it a lot of different angles, but today we are not doing that since we've already spent a majority of like a long time in this pod talking about Kyrie. And we spent yesterday talking about Kyrie. If you missed that, go back and see what we talked about Kyrie. We mentioned the Dennis Smith Jr. trade straight up for Kyrie, whether we would do it or not. We'll have more on that later, probably this week. We're going to continue with our going forward series that we started when we first picked up this podcast and before the draft and free agency and the offseason smacked us straight in the face. So today we're going to move on. And if you didn't catch any of our episodes, they're, they're probably still they're not as time sensitive. They're, they're just about a review of the players that were on the Mavericks roster and the ones that will be going forward. And I'm glad we didn't do one on like Nico or Jared Utah or you know, we did one on Liggins. He's gone, but most of the guys we've done are still on the team. So go back and check some of those we did going forward on, on Wes and Seth and, and all those guys and what we think. And so these are the questions that we're asking is, did they meet expectations? Did they improve memorable moments from the season that we had? What were they like in person? And how should the Mavs proceed going forward? And what's this player's role? So just we're asking all those encompassing questions about this player from the past season. And then how we're looking at them from the season ahead. And we'll definitely do preview stuff um, for the next season going forward and everything. But, but yeah, so today we're talking about Harrison Barnes, Dorian Finney-Smith. All right, let's, just, let's start with Dorian Finney-Smith because he's coming off the, uh, the summer league. We've talked about it a little bit. This will be a little quicker. We'll get through this. 
Uh, we've already talked about him a lot because of Summer League. So the first question, did Dorian Finney-Smith meet your expectations from the start of the 2016-17 season? Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I feel like you have to say it, he exceeded them because, I mean, a, an undrafted guy in yeah, – that played you know, 81 no, games. Yeah, exactly. So an undrafted, just take his name out of it and just put this on a resume. An undrafted player comes into camp, signs a partially guaranteed deal, kind of like what, you know, whatever his face name is from Puerto Rico, Clavel or John, John Clavel. <laughs> yeah, Johnny, John boy. And uh, so John then, John. so then you, you know, Finney Smith, like undrafted guy comes in, partial guaranteed deal, makes a roster. He's the guy who takes over for Dirk when Dirk goes down at the beginning of the year, starts in place of Dirk, and he plays in 81 games, leads the whole team in games played this past year. That would be your yeah. definition of exceeding expectations. Seriously. But it's kind, of, it's kind of weird because I think you've kind of got to slowly roll on him too as far as like what, what he projects going forward. Or at least I think you, I think you hold him higher than I do, but, but we, we'll talk about that more in a little bit. So, yeah, expectations – he met them and exceeded them, in my opinion. Yeah, completely. And he, and when he was out there, he didn't look like a guy that was overmatched either. He's not, you know, you didn't go out there and say, oh, God, man, this guy's getting just drilled <laughs> every single time he yeah. goes out there. And and him being a really good defensive player really helped that because he could, he could hold his own on defense and then some. He's a plus defender. Then on offense is where we sort of had the issue. And he's not a guy that – He's also not a guy that took that takes risks. We talked about the Justin Anderson versus Dorian Finney-Smith situation where it's like, do you want a guy to take risks or do you want a guy that's going to make the right play, make the right pass, do the right thing? And he's one of those guys. So he didn't take a ton of risks, so we didn't see him screw up a ton. And so I think that also helps perception in a way. And for me at least, you don't see him with those like, you know, missed poster dunks or just a a completely botched like fadeaway three that he, you know, took under duress and things like that. We see missed shots and everything, but com- completely exceeded expectations. And did he improve? I- I'm not sure if I saw him improve throughout the season. And then definitely from summer league till from summer league until now, he had the uh, the whole issue about um, the whole issue with his jump shot. Now the jump shot is is interesting to me because um, I tweeted yesterday that he shot terribly from during summer league last year, it was almost the same. He shot like five from 24 or something like that in summer league. And so then again, this year he shot horribly from summer league. And so they still signed him last year. So I, I think the, the improvement, not sure if the jumper's going to improve and it seemed to be fine during the season, but then he's just terrible shooting and during summer leagues, just awful. <laughs> yeah. But, but here, here's the difference though. Like I, I get the point of, okay, it's almost like, I feel like are you making the argument saying that we should slow our roll, like kind of on his like shooting numbers because last year he shot that way and got signed. Because my only my only thing with that is yeah, just like he's valuable in different ways other than just his straight up shooting. Yeah, but my only thing with that is like that's like what we would expect from a first year guy, and you we need improvement, and the improvement from his game that we need is the offensive game. He can't just stay... Like, if you're an undrafted guy, or really any player, you can't just stay the same. You know, you can't just, like, be the exact same player in the next season. You gotta improve your game somehow. And just off the, it's just summer league games, you know, he did. He looked like the exact same player that's like... It's kind of like this. 
in today's game, a six seven wing that can play defense, like you have a spot. Yeah. Kind of like back in like the nineties, maybe maybe eighties, but like back in like the nineties, early two thousands, if you were just a big man, if you were just a big massive like center, you had a spot. No matter how skilled you were, no matter what it is, you had a spot because teams needed you to bang down low with the other big dudes. So like Finney Smith, he might not be able to hit, you know, the side of backboard sometimes, or he might not be able to take people off the dribble. But if you're a six seven guy in this in this league that can play solid defense like him, you have a spot. And that's just how our game has has transgressed over the past, you know, couple of years really. Would you say it's transgressed or progressed? Would you say that that's an improvement on the league, or you say that that's like a, a knock on the league, that it has become that way? I think it's a knock to me. But then uh, then we're opening up a whole discussion of, like, do you enjoy – do you think the game's better now than it was back then? Do you enjoy it now more than it did back then? And, like, all of that stuff. And we could go for a couple of hours on that. Yeah. The question becomes, do you want more – do you want more Zach Randolph or do you want more Paul George? <laughs> you know, because yeah. because Paul George, you know, six ten wing guy, he plays three. You know, whereas before he's six ten, he'd probably end up playing, you know, four at some point, and then Zach Randolph, low post, <laughs> you know, killer guy. Um, memorable moments from the season: Dorian Finney-Smith, that moment where he stopped uh, Giannis to, from winning the game in that Milwaukee game at home was one that will always stick out to me, and probably will has probably jaded me in a good in a good way towards him that I will always remember that play and be like man that guy is a stopper that guy you know he is he is a guy that can really make stops even though it wasn't that amazing of a play it was just such a big moment yeah that he stepped up and, and he, even if even if it was Giannis who's not a good three-point shooter shooting it off balance like one foot three but that's the thing you, you you could force Giannis you could force Giannis to do one thing Giannis if he make him shoot off the dribble is not going to be that great catch and shoot he's a little bit better but you you can't let him get past you you can't let him even get up into you because he'll draw a foul you can't let him you know even pass out to other people you have to just contain him in that in that spot and he did and so that just that play just completely stuck out to me other memorable moments and this is just this is more of a humorous one he was talking about either seth or yogi i can't remember but we were standing at his locker we were talking to him he hadn't talked to the media a lot and he just he asked him about how they're, you know, how those guys are doing, you know, handling the ball, blah blah blah. He's like, yeah, man, he's just a guy that he gets a lot of. No, he was talking about Nerlens. No, he was talking about Nerlens when he was coming in and like asking about his defense and stuff. And they said, so, you know, what do you think about Nerlens? What do you think about his defense? He goes, yeah, you know, blah blah blah. He's just a guy that gets a lot of hands on balls. And then he paused in the middle of a statement and he just giggled to himself. And then he just kept going, <laughs> he kept going because he said hands on hands on balls. <laughs> that was so funny. And then there was the other time that I've definitely talked about on this podcast where he uh, he had this little trophy with him, like this tiny little trophy with a star on it. And he picked it up and I was like, "Hey, what, you know, what's that?" And he goes, "Oh, it's I got wedgie of the year from the starters." And it was from the starters award show, and so they they give out these little awards to everybody and they like they're tiny little like desk trophy looking things and they just give them out and then they film a little clip with them saying thanks you know an acceptance speech basically from them yeah (laughs) so they're filming him getting wedgie of the year that was so funny to me it's like what what do you even do with that that trophy yeah do you put that in your trophy case or do you (laughs) probably chucked (laughs) it uh yeah i mean memorable moments yeah i mean the Giannis 
you know, the Giannis play. And really, it's just kind of like, it's kind of like what I was gonna, I'm going to say about Barnes in a little bit, too. It's kind of like an overarching, like, when we say Dorian Finney-Smith, like, what do you think about? And for me, I just think of, like, all these, like, smaller segments throughout the year of, like, him guarding Russ at the top of the key. Yeah. And him just, you know, like, the versatility that he gave Dallas this past year. Uh, from playing, you know, from some stretch fours to yep. gardens and point guards like Russ, and it was just a luxury to have him out there to throw at somebody, and to you know kind of give Wes a break a little bit sometimes. So, yeah, I mean that's there's really not not a ton of you know there's nothing really like bad, you know if we talk about Dwight Powell, you know there's a lot of things where you're like man that's frustrating. <laughs> there's not like a ton about Finney Smith that was really like frustrating because really in all honesty like. He get he gave you more than you can ever expected. I mean, there's yeah. nothing more that you can imagine. Like, I mean, yeah, whatever. But like <laughs> that you could have wanted for from an undrafted guy coming in. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was he like in person? Uh, kind of kind of a shy, quieter guy. But once you get him talking, he'll you know he'll talk to you and you know pretty friendly and uh, yeah, d- yeah. That d- was uh, cool. Do you know he had his uh. He had, he had the rookie backpack all year, so yeah. he had he had the tiny little uh, the tiny tiny little backpack. I think it was a little girly one too. So. Yeah, it's like little My Little Pony or pink. It was pink. I don't remember yeah. what was on it. So he had that all year. Uh, Dodo is also my shoe guy. So very at the very beginning of the season, you know something when you go to Mavs games, a way you can tell me at a Mavs game if you're looking down on the court before the game, I'm always going to be wearing a hat. And I'm always going to be wearing J's, most likely. So, like, that's, like, my two things. And so for for him, he likes shoes also. So I, one of the first few times in the in the locker room, you know, I had some J's on and stuff, and he, like, just kind of casually walked past me. He's like, man, you got some heat on today. <laughs> so then that became, like, our thing to where, you know, I would look at him like, man, I'm just trying to get on your level. And so then, like, ever so often, you know, once a week or every other game or something, I'd kind of go over to his locker and say, hey, you know, what you got today? And looking over it, and sometimes he'd be like, man, look at these. I got some got some tens for today. And then some days it's like, man, I don't got nothing today. I just got my slides today. And, and that was just a kind of, you know, it's small interactions like that that yeah. we get to have sometimes with players. And it's cool. That's not just media related. And, but yeah, I mean, he was always fun to talk to, always fun to – to interview you know guys like that you know it's just like any situation any locker room really when after a game you know to some of our listeners you know after a game after the post-game press conference we go immediately into the locker room well then it's just kind of like a free-for-all players are coming back from the shower and getting dressed some of them are getting out of there super quick and you just kind of like talk to whoever you want to well Dirk you know we always talk to Dirk whenever he's done a lot of times we always talk to Barnes wait for forever (laughs) Yeah, and like so, like you generally just like any other team, and like when I would go to away team locker rooms, it's kind of the same thing. You know, you just get the star players. So like players like you know like Dodo, like they didn't really ever have to talk to the media very often. So we didn't talk to him a ton. Yeah, it was, it was that just, one Milwaukee game. That was probably it. <laughs> yeah, like and and that's how it is. It's always funny. It's like it's like podium game, but like locker room game. You know, yeah. it's like if somebody has a huge game that like a, a role player, like you know they're getting talked to that night and so yeah, I mean, cool dude. Yeah. I'm pretty yep. sure he's a father a father too. 
Yeah, he's he's a he's a there's daddy. A, there's a real interesting backstory. There's a really good. Um, oh yeah, he has a crazy crazy backstory. So it's like there's a really good NBA.com story about him. Um, yeah, I can't remember the title of it or who wrote it, but I've I've referenced it a couple times in pieces that I've done about him. It's just it's crazy, just the stuff that he's gone through. Yeah, um, we're not there on that level yet where I feel comfortable asking about him, but I feel like at some point this season I will. Um, going forward, I mean. The conversation of would you rather have Roberson or Dorian Finney-Smith is kind of interesting because they're, they're very similar players in the sense that, you know, obviously Roberson's a better defender. He was all defense this year, but way worse of an offensive player somehow. Wait, Roberson's a way off, worse of an offensive player than Finney-Smith? Yeah. Terrible shooter. They were they were intentionally fouling him. They were hack a Roberson in the playoffs. The guy can't, can't hit free throws. Yeah, like free throws wise. Yeah, I would. I don't know. I don't. It's I a tough say, one. I wouldn't say he's like far and away a worse offensive player. No, because like Finney Smith, just I mean, he can't take people off the dribble, and he's not. I mean, people leave him open, so that's his like. There's not really. Yeah, anything. They're, they're like the same. <laughs> yeah, and then I mean, I would rather have Roberson. Yeah, and, no, you know, yeah, than yeah. than him for sure, but. Is Roberson what Dallas could want him to be this year? Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's a good comparison. Yeah. So, but going forward, they should definitely keep him. His role going forward, he's going to be the backup wing. He's going to play three and four, depending on what position, you know, what comes up. Uh, there's going to be times this season he'll probably start again. He'll probably start at three or four, and Barnes will start, and you'll have Noel if Dirk is out or something like that. Um, but yeah, do you, I mean, do you differ on any of that? No, and you know Dallas must feel the same way because we've seen different pieces out there that have went off the board in free agency that Dallas could have spent the money on that would have came in and took minutes away from Fenny Smith, yeah, and basically taken his role away, and you know they didn't do that. So this is a, a sign again from Dallas, which you can't really blame them, but a sign again from Dallas saying, hey, you know we might not be a playoff team this year, so we might as well keep on developing Fenny Smith. And give him, you know, give him another year. So, yeah, I'm on board, all on board with it. Bring him off the bench, you know. Try to develop that. We don't. This is the thing. We don't need Finney Smith to have this like crazy offensive game. He just needs to add the three to the D. You know, like. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> he's the three D guy, so we need the first part, and we just need him to hit the hit that open three that what OKC has missed from Roberson so bad. So, yeah. Yeah, gosh! Remember when he was supposed to be a three and D player? That did not pan out. Uh, no, just a deep, just a D player. Just the D. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is nine ninety-nine, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only twelve ninety-nine. Buy one get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. All right, so let's move on to Harrison Barnes. Um, This is fascinating. Did he meet expectations? Yes. Did he, though? I I think he did, and I, I know people like... People want to throw out stats, and he didn't get free throws. He didn't all this stuff. Like, you're gonna, you're going, you're going to tell me. You ask anybody in that organization that 
right now, this is what they expected him to do his first year as a main guy in the offense. I guarantee you every single one of them says he exceeded expectations. Yeah, no, yeah. And I, I believe he exceeded expectations. But then there's the question of how much of it, how much of that definitive answer is the fact that the alternative was to have Chandler Parsons on the same deal, the exact same deal, the exact same money. You know, if you, you just look at it and, and say, well, I'd much rather have Harrison Barnes than I would rather have, you know, Chandler Parsons for sure. That's that's an, an obvious. Well, but, you're, you're asking the wrong person with that because, you know, I've just said before, I was on record wanting that to happen before I one, said in a piece I wanted Barnes them to sign Barnes over Chandler Parsons before yeah. Parsons even got hurt for that second time. And you would be considered a smart person now. Well, it's, I mean, I've got <laughs> I've jacked a lot of predictions wrong, or that wasn't even a prediction. I was just saying something I wanted. Yeah, you got to you got to go with the got to go with the right stuff that you get. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, he definitely exceeded expectations. Did he improve? Did, for the improving conversation, I think that he definitely to me and maybe this was just a being able to showcase his skills but the one-on-one play was just amazing i did not expect that from him yeah well it's it's iso ball and everybody like it would it would piss me off really what which I'm, i'm really partial to barnes because he's one of my favorite few players in the whole entire league you know i'm diehard tar hill fan followed him when he came out of ames iowa like I'm just just a diehard Barnes fan. And so like I was already skewed some, obviously, with me saying I wanted Barnes two summers ago or whatever it was. And but with like Barnes coming in, the thing that pissed me off is people would be like, Oh, he can't dribble. He can't dribble. That was know. a conversation for almost a whole month last offseason. God that was bless, man. I'm like the dude can freaking dribble, yeah. But when you have an <laughs> offense when it's Steph and Clay and Dre and like all these people like when do you have time to dribble? Clay Thompson scored sixty points on what was it, nineteen dribbles? <laughs> yeah, it was something like <laughs> under guy, twenty dribbles. I'm that like, guy scored sixty points and doesn't even get to dribble. Yeah, but like so, but like his overall ISO game that improves so much, and that's what plays into the exceeding expectations. I never thought, like I thought Barnes would come in and and be solid. I did. I thought he would be good, yeah. but that first season, I thought it would be like an adjustment and all this stuff. I never thought in a million years that he would be like first season, not even halfway through the season, go-to guy. Like throw him the ball, ISO it out. Like just like when he was at Carolina, it was it used to drive me nuts. Like it kills me at any level that when when teams just give it to a guy and say, you know, don't run a set, they just say, "Hey, take it to the hole." Which you know, Roy used to do that at Chapel Hill. He would just put people on the corner. He'd spread out Henson, Kendall Marshall, everybody, and just say, give it yeah, to Barnes at the top of the key and say, do your thing. And it would drive me nuts sometimes. But, like, so this kind of reminded him or reminded me, and this was my first question I asked him on media day, the first day, first day I ever met Harrison Barnes. And I said, hey, did that experience at Carolina, do you think that will, as the main option, translate or at least give you something to build upon here in Dallas because that – He's going to take on that role. And, you know, he said, he's like, yeah, absolutely, for sure. And, but yeah, it's, it's his ISO game from the low post, from his little step shot, from his shot at the, you know, at the corner, just everything with that. Like, I just, that whole free free throw area. 
Yeah, I, I didn't think that that would, you know, and he, he models this game after Paul Pierce. You know, he talked about, he just talked about it again, again the other day when he made his appearance at the camp. And and I, I like that comparison. I like it a lot. And he's used it a lot. So yeah, that's who he, he tries to watch, you know, clips of and all that stuff. So, yeah, I'm I'm all in on Barnes. But I, I agree. I'm a little biased and, and partial to Barnes, though. It's hard not to be. He's just such an awesome guy. If you've ever heard him be interviewed on Ben and Skin, they just like rave about him for 20 minutes after they're done talking to him. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> this is such a great guy and blah, blah, blah. Great ambassador, blah, blah, blah. He's just, he's awesome. And you remember from Media Day when it was uh, Harrison Barnes, I think went after or before Andrew Bogut. And Bogut gets up on the podium and goes, oh, you got me going behind the senator. <laughs> <laughs> he called him the senator because he talks like a politician. But the, yeah. the, the ISO game, to me, I was so impressed and so just I did not expect him to be so good in, in isolation because remember Mark Jackson, one of the years he was there, he tried to put Harrison Barnes, make Harrison Barnes come off the bench and be an ISO guy off the bench. Mark Jackson, yeah. Was that before, right before he got fired? Yeah, and it just wasn't <laughs> effective and wasn't good and – like Harrison Barnes just looks so overmatched being the, the leader of that second unit. And so I, I was thinking, man, this is going to be an adjustment, like you said. I thought he was still going to average about 20 points a game because he was averaging 10 with the Warriors. And if you add five shots to anybody, you know, they're, they're going to up their you know points per game by at least you know five or you know eight and get up there and then get some more free throws. And just by sheer volume, I thought he would get there. But I didn't expect him to be as good, you know, efficiently as he was yeah i mean i get the free like the biggest argument people like to throw out their lives like hey he doesn't he doesn't get a lot of free throws his free throws and like his assist assist rates and i get that (laughs) i i do i get it for sure but i think that's also the part of game that is is going to come to him more you know he's he also chose when instead of getting to the free throw line, he chose to pull up a lot of times and hit that mid range shot. Yeah, because that was like his kind of go to thing. And because you know we didn't really see his athleticism. You know Barnes can throw down some nasty dunks. Yeah, but we just you know that's just not part of his game a lot. You know, you know we remember, gosh, what was that dunk that he threw down at Golden State? It was always on Pekovic. I mean that that dunk Ended right his there. Career. Oh my gosh! But like, I, you know, I just, I just want one of those dunks. And Cuban, you know, he was on record this past season, you know, joking about. It. He's like, yeah, I kid HB all the time. Like, give us a good dunk, you know, give us something to. And you know, that's just not a, you know, HB's not like this big show show guy. And so, yeah, like the assist stuff that will come, and the 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 free throw stuff, I, I think that will that will get better this coming season too. So. Yeah. I have nothing. I'm not worried about Barnes going for it at all. Yeah, I, the one thing I would like is the assists and the passing uh, to get better and to to improve for him to be more of a playmaker. When he's in those isolation moments, it's the the offense definitely stagnates, and he does hit a ton of shots. And you're kind of amazed every time they go in. It's one of those like I'm not sure if this is going to go in or not, and then it does, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. It's not <laughs> to the level of Marcus Smart where you're saying no, 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 no. Okay, cool. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, but it, it is almost like okay, let's do something, and then boom, it goes in, and you just feel better about it. Yeah, but and I, playmaking and I say, is something big that I would like to see improved. And I and I was just gonna say, you know, he got tired towards the end, yeah, and that was a big conversation. That that was huge, you know, and, and he even admitted it. it was huge for him to even admit it too, as far as you know, his legs. 
you know, he's just not, we, you know, we ran him at the four a lot and we saw him. It's tough on guys. Yeah. And it's, you know, people can say, okay, he's, you know, big baby, whatever it is, you know, like suck it up. And it's not about, it's not like he was whining. It's just the fact of the human body. It's not like whatever it is. It's just, and even talking with like, you know, talking with some of the PR people about, you know, so, so HB, you know, we always want to talk to him after game. And he would always take these, you know, these ice tubs, you know, these, these baths and, you know, the ice tub thing, and it would take forever. And, you know, the media, if you wanted to talk to him, you just had to wait around. Him and Dirk and would it, come out 30 to 45 minutes after everybody else had gone. Yeah, but you know, a lot of times Dirk would beat him, though. So, like, yeah. and, and Harrison would just set back and set back and set back. And I thought he was a, avoiding us at first. I thought he was just trying to stay away and not have, and wait till everybody weeded out. But no, and, you know, this not be the case. No, it wasn't the case. And just having, you know, a couple conversations here and there throughout the season with, you know, some Mavs people, you know, PR people. And it's like, you know, they would just tell me like, you know, this is just, it's new for Bart. You know, it's new for Harrison. It's like, this is not, you know, he has so much wear and tear on him now playing, you know, more minutes, more role, more just pounding on him, guarding these bigger guys. And it's just, it's different. And he's having to adjust, you know, adjust to it and, after the game, pregame, just everything with that. So, and it goes into like, you know, memorable moments for Barnes this past year. And one of the plays I think about is when he stripped Blake Griffin. You know, when yeah. it, the Clippers yeah. were in town towards the end of the year, and that was the JJ game too. But <laughs> that was such a great game. Yeah, it was a great game. But Can like, we get you know, five of those this year, please. <laughs> but like Blake was backing down Barnes, and he really didn't even back him down. Like Barnes held his ground. And then he made this like you know spin move kind of, and Barnes stripped it and like took it from him, and it was just I don't know, it was just a you know there's one plays that kind of summarize, you know something like that, and Barnes you know he he had to go head to, you know head to toe with some of these you know big bigger forwards in the game throughout this whole year. Yeah, with the the conversation about Harrison Barnes taking forever at his locker, they the PR people made a, made a deal with Harrison, and said all right can you do your cold tub after you talk to the media? <laughs> and so he would be the first one in there after they made that deal. He was always the first one in there after that. And we would walk yeah. in, he would be there. We'd go talk to him. We'd be done. Then he'd go. And sometimes we'd be there so long waiting for Dirk that he, cause they're not going to make a deal with Dirk like that. Dirk gets to what he wants. <laughs> yeah. so Harrison would come back and Dirk would be coming back at that point. <laughs> so we would have been there during his, and he'd come back and say, y'all still here? Like what? Yeah. Why are you guys still here? He's like, go home. Can't. Yep. Cannot. Uh, what was he like in person? We sort of already mentioned it. Just an awesome guy. Great guy to talk to. Very open. Uh, doesn't he's sort of like Russell Wilson in the sense that he doesn't give you a ton, especially when it's those big scrums. Yeah. I mean, I loved HB. I mean, I, you have different players that that you not really connect with, but like. You have different players that you just kind of feel more comfortable around. And, you know, just for me personally, like HB is just one of those dudes because, you know, right off the bat, you know, one in, in a non creepy way, I just knew a ton about him because, you know, I just grew up, a, I grew up a big fan of him. You know, like that is a weird thing though, like going up to Dirk and just saying, I know so much about your life right now. And it's you, so weird. No who I am. So like you know, I have this I have this North Carolina player tee of Barnes that I've had since like the day he you know 
he was a number one recruit coming out of high school and he yeah. announced that he was going to Chapel Hill and that was like my first you know, I bought that shirt so quick and I've played basketball in it so many times and like you know, like that was like and it's so weird now and he was the first Maverick I met in at uh Media Day this past year, like shook his hand, talked to him, all that stuff. But like over the course of the season, you know, we got to not really know each other a ton, but you know, he's a believer, you know, he's a Christian. Yeah. So we got to, you know, we talk, I knew that I knew he had a past with like, I knew he, he led Bible studies in high school. Uh, he did different stuff like that. So we connected on that. And that's when that was really kind of when we first had a lot of conversations between each other. Cause I'd asked him after a game and I said, Hey, can we do a one-on-one about, you know, your faith? And, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of Christians that play professional sports, but, you know, some people just don't talk about them as openly. There, you know, there's, there's the Tebow end of the spectrums, and then there's another end of the spectrum. Which and, it's not Tebow's fault at this point. <laughs> no, no, no. And I, I love Tebow. And, like, you know, obviously, I mean, so, but, like, so with Barnes, I was like, yeah, I was like hey, would you do that? And he said, yeah, man, absolutely. Let, yeah. You know, this, let, let's make it happen. So, you know, he said, hey, just grab me after a practice, a game. And so we kind of set it up and we did it after a practice. And we kind of just went over to the side and leaned up against the wall for a good 15 to 20 minutes. And, you know, we talked beforehand about life and different stuff. And I was telling him about my past in the ministry and being a college pastor and stuff like that. And we we just bonded with that. And we talked about like school and we talked, you know, off off the record talking about like his relationship with Monty Williams and how like yeah. Monty's one of like his biggest, you know, like mentors and stuff. And especially through like team USA. And it was crazy. A crazy story is as far as like when he came to Dallas, he was, we were talking on the wall and he said, yeah, Monty told me I need to go to the school. He's like, I need to go to this blank school. I won't say it, but like you need to, he's like, you need to go to the school and say, you know, you need to, you need to check out the library. You know, you just need to go to this place. It's one of the, you know, the top, the best like seminaries in, in the country. And Wait, you why have wouldn't it, like, you say it? Well, I could, but it was whatever. But, you know, he, and so like Barnes says, but like Barnes says, and, <laughs> and so Barnes tells me, and then I'm like, uh, dude, that's my school. Like, that that's where I go. And he's like, no way, man. Like, it's the craziest thing. So like that just, and ever, ever since that interview, you know, it was really cool. Cause it, you know, I tweeted out the interview later on and Barnes retweeted, you know, tweeted out too. And it was like, man, I, I really, he appreciated the fact that I would do a, a piece like that because he, he knows that, you know, I could, and I didn't get a ton of heat from it. You know, I, there's obviously some people reaching out here and there saying, why would you even waste a story like this? But I like doing stories like that. I know this is a long rant, but it just gives you a sense of he's just a super professional, super personal. We joked a lot about Carolina because we, you know, he soon found out that I love Carolina. So we would always talk about, you know, a game coming up, a game that just happened. What he thinks about, you know, this team, that team, where he watched the national championship game and like stuff like that. And, He's one of he. I say, when I say he's one of my favorite Mavericks, it's not just because he's like that, you know, getting paid, you know, one of the most or like one of the next best player of the Mavericks. It's just he's just a legit dude, and it's just you just don't see. And we can say that now. Both of both of me and you can say this now. Of like, we can speak not really on behalf of who exactly players are. Yeah. But we've been around so many different types of players over this past year, you know, because like. 
I mean, even like we could both give a list. You know, like I talked to Boogie this past year, talked to Chris Paul, talked to you know, asked LeBron a question this past year, talked to a bunch of different these different players this past year, and when you so when we say Harrison Barnes is just different, like he's just a different type of dude, personality wise, professional wise, everything that's taken in account. That yeah, because we have seen these other personalities, we have seen these other different types of professionals and how they go about their business between a, a morning shoot around or in the locker room after the game. And, and Barnes is just he's just different, and it's awesome. Rant necessary. Sorry, yeah, that was super long, but I just wanted I can't stress and, enough for us to be thankful for how the type of dude he is. And part of that is is full disclosure that we both have that sort of connection. Because I, I talked to him about faith as well. And uh, one of the interesting things he told me about faith, I asked him, I said, how many you know, NBA players are, are believers? And he said, I said, would I be surprised to know how many there are? And he said, well, yeah, you'd be surprised. Because you wouldn't think that there would be a lot. But there are. There's like a bunch of guys in, in the NBA. Um, and then just uh, – just full disclosure that we, you know, have that connection. And so there's a little bit of bias there for sure. You know, yeah. like we want to see this guy succeed. We want to talk about it in a good light. Thank, thank God he's, a, you know, pun intended. Thank God that he's a great basketball player <laughs> or else, you know, be, some, some of this might be unwarranted, but he's yeah, also, gonna, he's going to be a great mentor for Dennis Smith jr. Holy cow. What a great guy to just be around to, to, you know, hopefully have his locker next to however that works or just, you know, I'm, really glad that he is the guy that he's going to be his vet. You know, he's going to come in and he's going to be a guy that will set, will pave the way basically for Dennis Smith jr. Yeah. And you know, when I was, I was just going to mention something that in that, in that one-on-one I did with him that I published back, I don't know, gosh, when it was February or something. Great piece. Um, he, we talked mainly about, you know, obviously faith and different stuff, but one of my last questions I asked him, and I was just going to read it to you. I said, you know, I said this past summer with moving cities, new contract, getting engaged, which he's about to get married now. Yeah. What I said, what what would you say God has taught you the most over this past year? And he kind of went into his like free agent process. And it was really interesting because he said, you know, he didn't know how it was going to play out after the finals. And he's like, man, it's just, just crazy and stuff. And he said, the first time I called Dallas <laughs> – he called. He called Dallas first. Yeah, in free that's, agency. That was, that was amazing part of that piece to me. He said the first time I called Dallas, they were like, "We have other people on the, you know, on the report." Basically, he said it's not going to work here. So like he he reached out to Dallas first in free agency and said, you know, seeing the interest, and Dallas pretty much said, "Yeah, it's not going to work. You know, it's <laughs> it's just not going to happen." And then obviously Durant picked, and everything started to fall in place, and it's just. I don't know. It's just that's just a, a small piece with that. Yeah, the the story of of acquiring Harrison Barnes and acquiring Dennis Smith Jr. are very similar in the sense that it almost didn't look like they were gonna get the get their guy, and then things happen: the Jimmy Butler trade, the you know the Kevin Durant decision, and then all of a sudden the guy just falls into their lap. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just so interesting that how they got onto the team is is pretty similar in that sense. Yeah, and even I mean, even look at Andrew Bogut this way. Like when we view Bogut's stuff as far as he was a, you know, slow. Yeah, failure if you want to say. <laughs> but like yeah. we got him for free and we pretty much turned his contract into a piece that met, helped Philly reach the salary cap floor 
or, you know, are counted towards their salary cap to we get their, early. We help their players to get, make less money, basically. So. Yeah, to, <laughs> what, it, he was in the deal that got Nerlens back. In, right, yeah, that's the good part of, for the Mavericks. It's it's small moves like that that you got to give Donnie credit for that, yeah, a move 12 months ago that you just took on this player for nothing. Look what you, and this could very well what could happen to Josh McRoberts, saying, hey, we helped out yep. this team, took on this contract with McRoberts, who knows six months from now, you might have to include this in a deal as an expiring contract to get somebody back that's going to be impactful. And it's those small moves that you can't discredit Donnie for. It's the asset game. It's small yep. ball. It's small ball in the sense that these small moves can turn out to be a whole lot. Look at what the, the Rockets just did. Look at what Daryl Morey has always done. Look at what the Rockets just did to acquire Chris Paul. All of a sudden, they start acquiring all these non-guaranteed assets in you know, in uh, you know Utah and Liggins and all all these guys, and they take that and they flip it for, uh, and then they acquired you know Lou Williams during the year and all this stuff, and they flip it for Chris freaking Paul. All right, going forward on for Harrison Barnes is an interesting is an interesting question to me. Would you rather you have a clean slate? It doesn't matter who's around him. Would you rather have Harrison Barnes at the three or the four? Uh, three. Three, really? Because I, I, I would say four. He's definitely a better offensive player at, at four and a better defensive player at three. That's just sort of the, the weird like breakdown that it has. Um, so pairing him with Finney Smith is great because he can, you know, he can guard some of those, you know, bigger four guys and he's well, not as you know, as strong as him definitely, but with on. the yeah, like I just want him I want him fresh. And yeah, that's true. for for a guy like that. Like ideally the four spot is the spot I want to get somebody in. Like I want that's where I would want to improve so, cuz like I like Wes at the 2 alongside of Dennis obviously more than Seth. Yeah. You know, we've talked about that before. And I like Barnes being more fre- you know, more fresh on the offensive end and everything at the 3 more than I do the 4. He can play the 4 obviously, but I just want to so like that's the spot that I want like I want Dwight Powell to work out. Like I, I know I bash him and I say all this different stuff. Like it's just you know fun to jump on that train saying okay we pay him nine million dollars and he folds towels. But I want him to work out. Like <laughs> I want I want to be wrong really bad. <laughs> I want prove me wrong. Like I will happily say man I was so wrong yeah. because that's what I I feel like we. It would be awesome to have that four type. Like I jo- like we joked about Jabari before. Like Jabari yeah, yeah. playing the four alongside alongside HB. Like I would love that. I mean, obviously, I mean, who wouldn't love to have a healthy Jabari? But I don't know. I would just I, w- I prefer Harrison at the three. But I mean, obviously, he can excel at the four too. Yeah. So either way, he's gonna be he's gonna be the starter in one of those positions. He's to me. Do you think Harrison Barnes could be the second best player on a, a playoff championship team? That's so difficult. It's hard because the climate right now, you'd say definitely not. Definitely never know. Because the second best player on a championship team the last two years has been Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving. <laughs> yeah. I mean I feel like I mean I can't like you can't compare teams to Golden State at all. So like they're just. Oh, but then the other one's Cleveland. That's that's two teams, you know, that that have won the last three titles. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's more of a three, the third best player. Um, if I had to say that, but I don't know. A lot, so much of it depends on just like 
the types of players around him as far as what would would he have to have the pressure of scoring and then can he contribute you know if he wasn't in a main scoring type of role could Barnes contribute in all the other areas of the game to have the same type of impact? <laughs> We're putting him back where he was when he was on Golden State. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but he, I mean, he's obviously better now, so it's just, I don't know, trying to figure that out. And, and when I say I like him better at the three more than the four, it's because we're going to naturally say, okay, Dirk's going to start at the four and Erlen's at the five. I, for me, I don't, even, I don't view it that way at all. I view it Nerland's at the four and Dirk at the five. Like we naturally put in Dirk at the, you know, Nerlens at that center spot, but like when it comes down to it, go across the teams in the league and tell me defensively who Nerlens is going to guard. If he's going to guard their center or their power forward, I'm going to go on a limb and say twenty out of the other twenty nine teams, he's going to be guarding the power forward. Yeah, like oh. look at look at the Clippers, look at Denver, look at uh, the Warriors, look at you know, look at all yeah. those. Yeah, who's going who's going to guard who, who's guarding Draymond? Nerlens, who's guarding Blake Griffin? Nerlens. Like, Dirk has to, at this stage in his career, if those five are on the court at the same time, Dirk is guarding the slowest player there. So he's going to have to, which you have to give Dirk credit. He banged pretty well last year. Like, I thought that yeah. was so so much of an underrated thing for Dirk last year. He was in the paint. He was banging. He can't, you know, get up and protect the rim or anything like that. But, like, his hands are so good. You know, he had that strip block so He's he's got that perfected. I feel like that happened once or twice a game to where he you know strips him and block him. But yeah, yeah. So like I view it more like that. Like Dirk is going to be the center. Nerlens is the four, and you know going with that. And then offensively, you know they just kind of play him off each other a little bit. But completely. So there you go. That's going forward for Dorian <laughs> Finney Smith, Harrison Barnes. Where we um, see them going forward. What we expected from them did they meet their expectations memorable moments certain personal stories we have about them and we'll keep doing this we got a couple more uh players we still have to do we still have to do nerlands which i think we'll do that the day he signs right oh my gosh <laughs> we'll do dwight sala and dirk those are the last ones so uh we'll figure those out at some point if there's news then we'll we'll skip them but we'll figure that out at some point and, uh, yeah, so thanks so much for joining us on Lockdown Mavs. If you can, continue to review uh, and rate the podcast on iTunes. It helps us out with advertisers. It helps us out with finding more listeners because if you search Mavericks, if we have more ratings than another podcast that says Mavericks that's about, like, reviewing the, the Top Gun movie <laughs> over and over again, if it's that yeah. podcast and it has more ratings than us, it'll be seen more than ours. So go there. It doesn't just help us in, in you know, it helps us gain listeners. It helps us with a lot of stuff. So Check out our latest pieces. That we, you know, that we've been writing on. I know my my latest one, I guess, was um, was about Kyrie and the whole thing. You know, yeah. could Dallas help facilitate a, a three or four team trade and kind of with that? So check that smoking Cuban, Knicks. Was yeah. your last one about West coaching? Yeah, West coaching. There's a lot of good stuff on that. Uh, gifts and videos, his halftime interview, his, his, his hair. Interview. That was a fun thing. His new I was, hair. I was that, reading your piece and I was like looking at his hair and the gifts and crap. That became a that became a thing on Reddit. Is his hair? Uh, people are not liking the hair. Nerlens has the same haircut though. Yeah, he had the he has the exact same hair, but for some reason it looks weirder on West than it does on Nerlens to me. But we're not we're not having a hair argument right now. That's not happening. <laughs> we're just not. We're not doing it. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Continue to rate and review, subscribe, 
And, uh, yeah, check out thesmokingcuban.com and mavsmoneyball.com. Good stuff on there, as always. Pieces going up all the time. Peace out. Boom. Oh, pun intended. Peace out. Ha, ha, ha.